Yo. Welcome, dude. <laughs> All through my Twitter timeline right now is everybody is very about singing the Chalk Knox praise. Oh, well, so. that's the wrong song. I, <laughs> everybody know. No, it's awesome, man. Yeah. You just finished a, a big doc. And is it big? I, th- I feel like it is, at wow. least in our circles. I feel okay. like well, praise I'm God. seeing, I feel like I'm out of the Southern Baptist circles and I know all about it. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't want to start with uh, By What Standard. Okay. I want to get to that. So you are also on CrossPolitik, your right. host. There, I hear there are uh, like Twitter trolls who are confused about. Who does what <laughs> for, how much, for how many cookies. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You are, uh, from what it sounds like, you know, the leading uh, guy of the media arm of Douglas Wilson, which congratulations. <laughs> Wait till Doug finds out. <laughs> that is really funny. Uh, so as the media arm, you know, it's really nice to have you in studio. Oh, thank um, you. I've never gotten a command to do anything. But... I know. I know. Could you imagine his, uh, his surprise? <laughs> yeah. um, so I was just telling you right before we started. Um, I found out about you. Uh, I was living in Minneapolis. I was going to college. Hey, hometown. At uh, Bethlehem College and Seminary. Yeah. And I I think, so I probably, I started with, uh, I, I, my professor was Joe Rigney my freshman year. Yeah. And I, he taught up. Um, Does Joe like people? <laughs> I I think that's like his big secret. Is he's just he like, does. I'm going I'm to like, I, I have too many friends and I'm stopping there. <laughs> And so he's just like, I think he would otherwise be friendly. And he's just like, he's no, like, no I'm I'm filled, I have to. Like, it's like a friends list goes too full up. on Facebook. He's like, I'm yeah, good. Seriously. I kind of made that joke before. And next time he saw me, he hugged me. I was like, Did yeah, he? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's just good. like, it's just one person, though. There's he, hundreds out there. He yeah, also he's, to he's a goof, man. It was funny. I There were students like later when I was a senior, they were like, I don't know if Joe likes us. And I was like, no, Joe likes you plenty. You know, it's. Um, so anyway, he did a lecture on like the problem of evil and he used notes from the tilt world. Yeah. That was like my introduction oh. to the whole world. So I started reading everything I could. And then I also started looking up who, who else is in the sphere. And so then I found Gary DeMar stuff. Yeah. And then it was only like two clicks away before I found like crown rights, YouTube page. Wow. That's <laughs> and amazing. I think it's you and Gary on the couch. Was it edified? Couch? Yes. yes, or edified? Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. and questions about um, things that I was asking about postmillennialism, because I'm I'm at a Baptist college, right? Historic premillennialism. I have all those questions, like why isn't the world ending? If that's what my New Testament says. So, right. uh, the media you guys were doing, and I'm I'm curious about how did you even get in all that? But anyway, oh, it was super helpful to me in college. So, well, praise God. That's one seriously. person that God used. <laughs> seriously though, for. it was awesome. So, wow, man, how, did, how did you get? Where are you from? Where Where did you come from? Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me jump into the Gary Demar thing real quick. So, yeah, yeah. Um, person who's inspired me, you know, to do filmmaking and to get into this world is Darren Doan. Okay, which you've had in here before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Darren inspired me because he. <laughs> This is kind of going to sound like an insult. Darren, Darren makes you feel like, I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can do that. And it's not in a bad way. It's like, oh, it, that looks amazing. I want to do that. But I think he shows me the map of how I can do that. Right. And so uh, Darren basically, we saw some stuff he did with Kurt Cameron in an interview, and it was so simple. It was so basic. And yet it was put together in a professional way that was like, that's punk rock. You know, okay. that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. bad yeah. right yeah. there. And he's, he's not doing it in the way where it's like, you got to have the polished camera. You got to have, we, don't show the light showing. Oh, right. you messed up. Show the behind the scenes <laughs> shot as your main shot. And, it, you know, he, he, did, he just broke all the rules and he made it work. And when, usually when people break the rules, it's because they're amateurs. 
Yeah. But he's at a high level. Accidentally. Yeah. He's yeah. intentionally breaking all the rules and saying, this is cool. And you're like, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're well, right. Yeah, totally. You know? Totally. And so that, that encouraged both Marcus Pittman and myself. So okay. Marcus Pittman was a- You said we a second ago. Is right. That... That's what I mean okay. by we. Yeah. Marcus cool. Pittman. I, so- I, I'll start in Georgia. Um, yeah. I was I'm from Minneapolis. Um, okay. My parents were missionaries, and at the point my mom and dad got a divorce, Minneapolis at the time was a place where a single mom can go and start without feeling like uh, she's missing her left side of her body. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it helped us get on our feet after my parents' divorce, so we went to move to Minneapolis. Where in Minneapolis? Um, right? We were over south side of Minneapolis and then ended up being over north side of Minneapolis. So we ended up being okay. like right in the middle of the hood, north nice. side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now south side of Minneapolis is all nice now. It's been gentrified. I know. <laughs> it, I, yeah, I do feel like even the time that I was there, things were changing. And I was there right when the stadium was oh, going yeah. out. So I lived a block from the stadium. Oh. So I was like kind of like right there downtown. I was right next to the church. Yeah. So, so I was right behind John Piper's church. I grew up behind there in Elliott no Court way. Park. <laughs> Is that where you were staying? I know. Well, I, I was on the other side. So like it was almost if you were coming in from the highway mm-hmm. and yeah. Piper's church is on your left. Yeah. There's a white house, a two story white house okay. on your right. And that's where you are. It's like the one house in downtown. Like in yeah, yeah, downtown. in that area. It's really strange. Well, anyway. Oh, there was a little efficiency in the back. I had no idea that John Piper's church was behind really? I was rollerblading in his parking lot and <laughs> did you, going inside you to use the bathroom. I oh, probably did. Would have never known. I had he no did, idea. He never drove. Like, he just walked to and fro Did all the time. he? Yeah. See, I had no idea he was there. When we became Reformed, we ended up finding a church out in Egan called Egan Hills. Okay. Uh, and that was because of Todd Frio. I was listening to his KKMS oh. radio show there when he was local before it became Wretched and Way of the Master Radio. Okay. And, and when we found a church because he said, hey, if you're going to a, a church with a woman as your pastor, you're in danger. Get out. Okay. And that shook my soul. I called and said, where's his church at? Yeah, <laughs> where's Taj Church? Yeah, he's in Egan. Went there that Sunday. So he's from he's from Minnesota. He's from Minneapolis or wow. Minnesota too. Yeah. So I don't I know the office in Apple Valley. I think Apple Valley was the area Todd was staying in. So wow. we were worlds apart. But his you know it's amazing technology, the blessing yeah. of radio. He was able to catch little black kid in the ghetto, you know, listening to a Christian Crazy. radio show. And so never take those things for granted. And so um, in Minneapolis, growing up behind John Piper's church, uh, we became reformed. Did not know Piper was in Minneapolis. Got it. So we go to the church on Egan Hills, and they're like, oh, you love John Piper? I was like, yeah, he's great. I love that guy. I want to go to a conference one day. It's like, the good thing he's local. I'm like, huh? What you mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, he's right over South Minneapolis, right downtown? I was like, no, 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 no. There's another little church over there. That ain't, that ain't, that's John Piper's church? Why am I traveling, traveling 20 <laughs> minutes to go all the way, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a drive. <laughs> it was a drive. Yeah. So, but that's how, that's how I found out John Piper that's was. That's actually not surprising. No one there knows who John Piper is. No. Like, John Piper's, like, ministry is so international, so big. Yep. And the people down the street. I mean, Minneapolis is just like that, though. It's not. It is. It's, it's so it's diverse. It's a town. It's not a city. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I feel like it takes five minute walk before you're in a different area that's right you you the one and the one you just left so I, yeah i think that convicted john a little bit too though i think he 100%. wanted to be more and more um present in the community he was in so i appreciated 100%. that because i was a Absolutely. kid that was getting passed over right behind his church you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. i appreciate that and anyway so I, I hooked up with todd at the church um in egan hills and got to know him and his business partner joel uh todd had gotten basically I don't want to say kicked, maybe kicked off or released from KKMS because he was just preaching the gospel. Sure, sure. And it's amazing how simple gospel message gets you in trouble. And so he was in, he was good friends with Kurt Cameron and Ray Comfort, and he was on the phone with Ray, and Ray's like, well, if you're leaving, we're going to start our own show. 
He's like, Ray, you just don't start your own show. That's cute, though. Well, it's what nice. year is this, too? Um, this had to be 2000. Ooh. 2007, 2008, okay. something like that. Yep. We're going to start our own radio show. Todd is very skeptical because Ray is doing a TV show that was doing really good at the time, Way of the Master TV. Okay. It was the first time I think we had seen Christian television that was probably worth engaging. Where was that? It was all over TBN. Okay, TBN. Yeah, it was on TBN. Well, I mean, on TBN. Yeah, so. so. But it was actually good. <laughs> That's what I'm, sh- I'm kind of shocked. I, I didn't know, know good stuff hit TBN. Yeah, well, it's always good when you, they don't ask for a love offering at the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I feel there's five people to give me $10,000 for our next episode. You know, you're like, wow, yeah. they didn't fleece me. I, feel... I mean, some poor lady's pulling out her phone. <laughs> right. you know, so. Getting ready for it. Seriously. And so they um, start, Kirk just happened to be at a some sort of meeting, conference, and the guy's like, hey, Kirk, have you ever thought about doing your own radio show on Sirius and Kirk's like no never thought of it it keeps going it, it just happens that Ray calls Kirk hey we're going to start a radio show you know Kirk, so guys giving Kirk the connection yeah. over here guys giving Ray the faith and then God has given all three of them a spokesperson to do it Gave you know Todd the word that voice that's, that's exactly right <laughs> and wisdom that's how way the master got started okay. um, and before I was ever a part of it I was giving money to to help them grow because Todd had been a blessing in my life uh just becoming reformed okay you know I remember if you ever if you've ever not been reformed and you hear someone exegete scripture you know that's different your heart resonates with it in a way it's like that's bible and yep. I want that and that's what Todd was the first time I've ever heard it it that's was awesome. like that's whatever he's doing I want to learn how to do that so they started serious uh started on the family net Serious radio, I think it was 161 or something like that. And it started growing uh, about six, seven months in. They needed a producer um, to edit. And I was working as an audio engineer in multiple music studios in Minneapolis, but okay. that wasn't paying my bills. Uh, okay. I was like, doing construction and uh, maintenance, man. Oof. And, uh, you know, God was faithful in that. But Ty was like, hey, you want to you wanna come do this? And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, awesome. I think I dropped like... My pay went down twenty eight grand or something like that. <laughs> I didn't care. But yeah, you're <laughs> and so, as they're doing way of the master TV show, we're trying to grow. But the it's really interesting. The radio market started dying, so okay. there really wasn't any money in the radio market anymore. So how do you make money doing this? You got over two million people listening to you. It was just a weird market, and we did a video asking or some sort of promo video, and someone from Family Net in. Georgia saw that video who was a producer for the Family Net television show that Dr. Charles Stanley had just purchased from Texas. So it was a Family Net. Wow. He bought it from Texas to Georgia and was looking for new talent. Saw one of our videos, saw Todd and was like, that's the talent. Todd hasn't done TV before. Sure. But he knows he knows yep. the industry. Todd was a stand-up comedian, so you know. <laughs> I mean, riding with big names. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he I was. Didn't know he, that. Oh yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was the truth. Awesome. So anyway, so they pick up Todd and say, "Hey, can you come down to Georgia?" Yes. He, we move half of our office down there. Hire one other person. Start way the master TV. Uh, Wretched Television. Okay. Wretched Television does very well. Yeah. Um, and when I so this is important because when I got to uh, Family Net. And basically, in touch studios, in touch ministries in Georgia, they had a one floor with nothing but media guys editing and producing. Wow! I had only did audio stuff, 
So I'm She's watching. Like, I'm good you. on audition. For yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I've got that lot. Yeah, exactly. Audition, yeah. I got. Yeah. But there was so many other things: Final Cut and Premiere, and then After Effects. And I fell in love with their art. I okay. fell in love with. There was another guy, Chris, who was doing mixing, post production mixing, um, and the way he was sweetening audio was just. It was different than some of the things I had learned. So I started spending my lunch breaks down there with those okay. guys. Okay. And this is dangerous. And this is <laughs> this is hustling. We had a team of fifteen. We had two other producers for us, and they made the mistake of one day of not showing up. Uh-oh. And I was like, I can do that. Next man up. And that was it. <laughs> and like, you, yeah, you reach, I teach, bro. Yeah. And he, yeah. <laughs> he slept, and uh, I told Tasha, I can do that, and I can do the editing. I can do, and Ty was like, you show me. Uh, I said, I've been doing it for three months. You haven't even noticed. My lunch breaks. That's what it was. Yeah. And I, was, I just wanted him to know that. If there was a gap or anything in my work, I I wanted you to be able to notice it, and he hadn't noticed it, and so it was kind of my way of saying, I could do this. Totally. I did it, and so he was like, game on. So (laughs) got rid of the producers, and uh, sorry, guys. (laughs) I know. And and God just blessed it, and so after we had a three-year contract, we ended it a little early, we just learned. And so this is where Darren Doan comes in. So at this point, Kirk's doing his thing. Kirk's about to drop a film called Monumental. He's working with this yeah. filmmaker, Darren Doan. They do this interview, and we saw that interview, and because we were in a relationship with Kirk, right? Right. So we had did a thing with Kirk. I had filmed at his house, and so we were cool. Everybody was cool, but we weren't connected with Darren. And so we were watching all Kirk's stuff. We see Darren do this interview, and we're like, he didn't do this for much money. And we're sitting up here with a team of 15. How do we, I remember Todd asking, how do we produce something (laughs) the way that he's doing it? Yeah. He's just imagining those margins. Right. That's that's You feel like that when you own the company. Like, how can I put that in my pocket? And and bless my employees. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just less of them. And and so I started following Darren, started following what he was doing. And and so we moved from FamilyNet and bought our own studios and started and hired one of the guy named Adrian Rink from okay. from Minneapolis. Okay. Who was a, a camera guy, 18-year-old kid who had just 18-year-old kid who is just amazing camera okay. guy. And he came in and made for us comparable setup that we had and brought in the technology for us to be able to film in a way that was with nice. three guys. So we took a 15 crew, yeah. dumped them all into Adrian, put a camera on me, and that's where we wow. got started. And so at the time, we hire another guy, Marcus Pittman. A few okay. months later, um, Marcus he's in Georgia. He's he's was not. He was in Virginia. Okay. Wow. But uh, he had been doing these really weird videos and gospel sharing videos, like with Ray, and he's just okay. Ray Comfort. Yeah, with Ray Got Comfort, it. and so he was one of the guys who was at the conferences you'd see there, and you know. Um, but Marcus was just kind of this weird redhead kid. I was wearing shirts too big who seemed like he knew what he was doing a little bit with the camera, so we hired him. <laughs> he'll <laughs> he, work. Yeah, he'll work. He yeah. was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. He was absolutely horrible. Dang, okay. He did a horrible job for two weeks. <laughs> long story, yeah long story okay. short we fired him <laughs> wow. and, it's good that you're doing it on this program yeah yeah, yeah, program. He, he, yeah he knows yeah <laughs> and uh marcus um was great at graphics though so we kept him along for some graphic stuff okay. but we couldn't use him for camera work and and, and 
I think that kind of crushed Marcus. Okay. So Marcus, I I felt like this could. And I became a theonomist through Marcus. So through radio shows yep. uh, that we were doing, we he'd get done and come complain about what Todd was saying, and I was like, Todd's great. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he his exegesis about biblical application. I was sure. already there because I'm a charismatic, so we don't yep. let go of our Old Testament, right? Sure. We need those to get our blessings yep. and offerings to pay for yep. our benzos and planes. <laughs> and so I, I was in, and then. When he left, I felt like I needed to still be working with him. I didn't know for what or how, but he had this. With this, Marcus? With or Marcus with, Pittman, okay, sorry, it. yeah. Um, and he had this line he used to always say. I say, man, you did a great job today. He's like, hey, for the crown rights of King Jesus. And I love that line. Yeah. And so he, when he left Wretched, when Marcus left Wretched, he started this company called Crown Rights. And I said, man, come stay in my basement. Don't go back to Virginia. We'll figure out, find your jobs wherever you can. Um, I'll work with you on this. Let's make this. And so that's basically how Crown Rights got started. We sent a video to Darren and said, Darren, uh, here's our first video on Edified. We'd love your help figuring out how to get better at this. Could you help us? And we we were horrible. (laughs) Darren was kind. This is so important. Darren said, I love it. It's great. You guys get stuff done. I want to be on the show. And me and Marcus flipped and freaked out. Cause Darren had done all these music videos with platinum selling art. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a he don't oh, talk yeah. about himself as much, but he I was know. the man. I know. You, I mean, over five hundred music videos. Who in the, has I mean, a library like that? When I had him on, it was like basically one sad show about how Darren basically raised me through his music videos. Yeah. I watched them. All. <laughs> I watched them all. I knew all of those. You know. So. And, but he didn't promote himself. Darren was of the mind. He was about promoting his artist. So yep. you don't just find him because nowadays if somebody does a music video, you know the the director, you know the film yep. crew. You know, it wasn't like you that. You gotta for go him. hunt his Wikipedia page down and be like, no. Right. That one too. You know, and yes. all the, it's. Yeah, and I and so he inspired us to and, and encouraged us, and then connected us with Gary Demar. Okay, and so he's like, you need to take this, you need to go interview Gary, and and do one of these. He and Gary's in Georgia. He Gary's in Georgia. Okay. He's about an hour. Did away Pittman from know him? Marcus Pittman know him? He did know Gary Demar, but he didn't know that he was in Georgia, and, okay. and no one had any connections. And yeah. American Vision was in, in one sense was kind of like this. Um, at one time, they were probably very popular and had somehow lost favor, maybe because of the technology change. They didn't jump on that bandwagon. Yep. Stayed only to authoring books, right. writing some articles. And so they kind of had, they were at, towards the end of their heyday. Um, and we got there, and it was like finding a treasure chest of content. Seriously. Uh, it, they have so much great content, yep. so much great insights and letters from Bonson that aren't even published yet. I mean, Crazy. just, they got a wonderful library. Gary DeMar wasn't interested. <laughs> no? No, he wasn't interested. He wasn't interested in, like, hiring us to do stuff for him or anything like that. You know, not at all. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, not, not at all. No, he was like, that's cool. You know, we don't need that. I mean, we're cool. Wow. And we did Edify with him. Yep. And Edify, you know how you were talking about I was at this place and I was trying to answer these same questions? Yeah. I'm at Wretched having a conversion experience i'm not dispensational but my theology is kind of there yep i'm not opposed to the idea of the gospel winning in the world but i don't know how to exegete it and yeah i, I see Doesn't these verses like the, yeah. yeah um uh, there's a book by gary demar that was called myth lies and half truths and that book begin to open up for me and answer all of my questions wow so edified was just taking that book into a dialogue Okay. So what I was technically doing was pitching Gary saying, if you put it into a different context, you might right. be able to. Right. Well, and he was kind enough to come on 
when he was here briefly. He oh, did he? Briefly. And I got, to, yeah, I told him. I was like, Edified was the first place I ever saw you. Man. And that's where I fell down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So. That was, a, yeah, and he, that introduction for me, I did the same thing. You were just living it with me at that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, I asked Todd, I said, Todd, because I had already started challenging Todd with some of the things I was learning. I, yeah. If you watch Wretched at the time, you'll see some of the influences of biblical theology, practical theology in, okay. the, in the show, because I'm producing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. some of it's bleeding in, and, and Todd is in somewhat agreement with it, but he's in agreement with it practically, not Got exegetically. It. Got it. And so that was a great place to be at, because I was like, I can just sure. push the content sure. here. Um, also, I feel like it should be said for Marcus's sake, that whenever, the thing that I remember most about Wretched, besides his voice, which is electric radio voice, Oh, you're talking about Todd. Yeah. Is how often he's you're moving cameras. Yes. You know, so thinking about it now is on this side of Canon and being a part of all that we do here, it seems like a nightmare of just like that camera, that camera. You know, I mean it seems difficult. Yeah. Uh, well there's there's I mean, there are a few people who can at the drop of a dime take a topic and then flesh that topic out for seven minutes of a segment and do that, you know, five shows back to back. I mean, that's just unheard of. We People were trying to rock, write content for Todd when we first got to InTouch. It didn't work. Okay. He's not wired that way. Okay. Todd was the kind of guy, this is how production worked for us. This is a little fun insight. I would find the content. He, I, he basically trained me to look for the kind of things that were in our lane. Okay. We had 20 topics. They narrowed it down to 10. We can hit anything if they fit into that 20. So I spent my whole day finding content, edited it up for him. I give him a cue cards of what we had. I mean, moments before we filmed. Okay. He'll send me some stuff here or there, but yep. usually Ty would walk in about 15 minutes before filming. He would look at the cue cards, and he would say, hmm, that's good. Huh, huh, let me see that one. All right, cool. And then he'd say, we're going to do this one, this one, this one, and this one. And the cameras would roll, and he said, the show was laid out from that point, 15 minutes before going on. It seems like he's just walking around. Like, Are you trying to keep up with him? or is? Yeah, that's, so that's interesting. We had to create a dance. This is what Marcus was Got horrible it. at. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For yeah. his sake, it seems hard. Yeah, it is. It's you're right. Yeah, that's what you meant by that's what I meant. That's yeah, what I meant. No, that, yeah, yeah. It seems it, hard. We, it, seems... it is hard because if you get if we're doing that dance and you hit the wrong place as a cameraman, you ruin you the, missed it. The six minute segment. How do we right. get out of it? Right. I mean, and so we shot one. We can shoot in one day three shows. Okay. We shot one show for the whole day. And so, but you're right. It is. There's more multiple people. <laughs> wasn't just Marcus who could okay. handle that dance. Yeah, that dance is hard. Right. And you had to learn it. And and he, but he was just he couldn't get it. Totally. And so, but yeah, the, it, he Todd is just walking around. But the camera guys are moving into places. We have spots that we know we need to be in, right. and we know that if we're not in those spots, you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. And yeah. you, there's no other way to cross the room because the room is wide open. You don't ever see the other cameraman. Right. And yeah, you, that's another thing. Is like right. you never saw one of those. So anyway. Marcus was doing stuff for, when he left Wretched, it was really weird. He got, so you're in Atlanta. So, you know, Andre 3000 and those guys, yeah. he started doing things with those guys. He started doing things with really? their, their crew. Yeah, he started shooting videos for them and stuff. There was, <laughs> there was maybe a story he'd tell. Like one, they, wanted to, he, they knew he was a Christian, and he was yeah. shooting videos. And uh, they were like, hey, we're about to go to this club, the strip club. And he's like, I, I can't do that one. You know, they were like, oh, okay, well, we won't go to the strip club then. They switched their plans up because it, for him, to, you know, it was, so he wow. was working with some of their guys, the whole crew, and Big Boy and those guys would come I've always thought Andre looked like a nice guy. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know how much relationship he had with them, but I know he was shooting for the stuff Too for funny. them. Yeah. And so anyway, so that whole thing with Gary DeMar was just in my transitional yeah. stage. And I asked Todd questions to give me for Gary. 
Okay. Like, um, if my kingdom is not of this world, you know? Yeah. So all those things. Yeah. And Gary, Gary was when I realized that language was so important in exegetical work. You said, it sounds basic, but well, it's so not. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's not. Verbs matter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, 100 uh, percent. What is said, it matters. And what is not said matters. You know, all those things are important. And, and Gary, he said, you know, it doesn't say my kingdom is not over this world. Right. And I remember his thing. Got it. <laughs> I get it. Now yeah. you don't have to finish, you know. And so and so anyway, after Edified, I said um, I went out and worked with Darren on a music video shoot. OK. Who was it? Um, it was Shine Down. OK. Yep. It, the, the first video I ever worked with Darren on. And that one blew my mind. Okay, I got time for this. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm. <laughs> uh, we're on your schedule, man. Oh, so, okay. So well, you, go you got me it. telling the story. So I meet Darren. He has a limo come pick me up. Okay. <laughs> First of all, like, just a, what a way to like ingratiate yeah. yourself to somebody. Get there, and I meet with him and his DP, and he says we're gonna shoot this music video for Shine Down, and he goes onto a board. He's like, okay, it's gonna kick off. He's like, when it kick off, I'm gonna have these these huge explosions. Boom, 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 boom because that's the opening of the song and then I want a helicopter to fly over I want the smoke to come up and then I want to start raining and then I want a fire and then I want like a flower at the bottom of this and I started laughing because <laughs> surely he's joking it's yeah, a yeah, joke yeah. right yeah. and the DP says what lens do you want to use you know the phantom camera would be nice he's like yes phantom I'm super slow motion you know Darren's going and, I, and then somewhere in there I realize this, he's not joking yeah he's really going to do this right how are you gonna do the explosion of these mortars, you know, and and a huge gas explosion with each individual one? I'm like, oh my goodness, this is real, and I started writing down because I'm supposed to be helping with this. Yeah. So I don't know what this video cost. It's a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe something like that, because uh, it was crazy. We found a set. We did um, a, a live sound stage Where outside. Are you? We're in California, okay. Got it. Uh, Westlake Village area. Got it. And there's a live soundstage they found outside, um, old cowboy kind of Mexican home play, uh, building or whatever. And then the other side is just an open set. He starts doing pictures and everything the first day. And then he comes to me and says, tomorrow I'm going to have five trailers, four or five trailers pull up. He's like, I want you to put all the trailers in their place and make sure I have a good place for the set and for the lighting and stuff. Walks away. <clears throat> I'm, uh, time out. Um, Listen, that's that's cute. I'm a um, I don't know what I'm doing, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so he and so I told I finally called him and said, "Hey man, wh- where is the stuff going to go at?" He's like, "If I gotta tell you that, why well, I need to pay you?" Now Darren's been real laid back, cool with me this whole time. It's the first time I get like a sharp cut. And it's like, "No, you right, you right. I'll figure that out. I'll figure that out." I knew that. Yeah, you know. yeah. Because he had told me he's like, "Look, I'll give you some D love if you get down here." So I bought my ticket. He let me stay at his house. They took such good care of me. And so anyway, so at this point, I'm trying to figure it out. And he graciously comes in. He's like, the sun's going to come from this way. You probably don't know that yet. He's like, so just put my stage here and trailers can go anywhere over there. I'm there at 6 o'clock in the morning, five quarter to 6. We got effects trailers coming in. We have um, uh, food trailers coming in. We have clothing trailer. We have band trailer coming in. You know, it's just, yeah. and I'm sitting there thrown into this world. And I'm just, I, at this point, I'm still working at Wretched. I took off my week vacation, 10-day right. vacation to go down here and spend time with Darren for 10 days for a boot camp. And I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> where I have no idea what's going on. And he had no problem throwing me into the thickest part of it. Okay. Um, and all of the things, I could have done a mis- had a mistake where it could have cost him serious money. 
Right. And so it really mattered. Everything I did mattered. It wasn't like, oh, you're just coming down here, do a little learning, and you're going to go away. No, no, it actually has to have consequences. Otherwise, you don't get how this industry works. So he put me in it. And I, res- I mean, I respect that. We didn't, I didn't leave that night until 11.30. So I saw all of them trailers come in. Darren comes in about an hour or so after I got the trailers, comes in with the band. He was with them that whole morning. Um, and I watched him do everything he said he wanted to do. Mortar explosions, helicopter flying over, you know, fire explosions, lighting the piano on fire, making it rain after that, (laughs) and closing out the video and then putting the flower as Brent walks away. I saw him plan that from the beginning to the end, and he did that within two days Wow! and did it. (laughs) And so I say that because after I weathered that storm with Darren, walked away, he has this thing after he has steak and wine, after he has a big shoot. And we're at his house, and we're doing steak and wine. He's like, Uncle Gary needs to hire you. And so he put in word, and Uncle Gary took him seriously since he did collision with Uncle Gary. And that's how I got connected with American Vision. Got it. So, okay, so is that at that point, is, did you leave? I wanted Wretched. I, I loved Wretched. I couldn't, yeah. It was hard for me to want to leave. So I, even though I had the offer from American Vision, I wanted to do all the things that I wanted to do at Wretched. Sure. Uh, and so I, I went back with a counter offer at Wretched and I said, hey, can we figure this out? Can we do this? And, you know, Ty just wasn't at that place yet. Yeah. He was at a different place. I wanted to make films. I wanted to make yeah. films. I wanted to make movies. I knew that was the next place that we need to go. And I felt like that Ty not only could do that, he could also start his own network and he can own the center on everything. <clears throat> but, you know, in God's time, that just wasn't for Wretched. That just sure. wasn't their, their thing. Um, and, and we split ways. Okay. But um, that was my heart. That's where I wanted to be at. Yeah. And God said, you're going to American Vision. And so we went to American Vision and out the gate, come out with How to Answer the Fool. Okay. A presupposition yeah. apologetic film with Cy Tim Brugge and Kate. Yep. Um, and that that was that was a huge blessing. Yeah. So did you? So that's another one that I watched that was big. Was that one so yeah, too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was big. That was big. So we may just be doing the same, Darren. You know. Yeah. Basically the same podcast with different people. Okay. Well, that's because <laughs> that yeah seriously. So that doc was huge. Did um, you really? Wow, man, thank you. Oh yeah, easy. Wow. Um, there was another doc. And I think you did it on baptism. <laughs> I've not watched it, but I've shown that preview to like a ton of people. John Crawford, baptism is okay, not yeah. enough. Okay, yeah. Yes, baptism is not enough. Okay. Yeah, I think he ripped that from Doug. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah that so makes sense. that was the title. John Crawford, man, what a. I'm, that dude, man, he's such a blessing. Um, John Crawford came to American Vision with the book idea. Okay. And uh, he's like, hey, here goes a good book. I don't know if you guys want to write it or anything, but I think this book needs to be done. And at the time, I'm still Baptist Presbyterian. Okay, Baptist. Yeah, Baptist. I'm, yeah. I'm in, but I haven't really. I think I might have baptized one of my kids at this point. So I might be uh, Presbyterian, but I'm not getting it all yeah, the way. Yeah, got it. And so I, I read this book, and I said, this needs to be a film. This needs to be a film. Got you got to do a film out of this. <laughs> and he's like, a film? Like who? Okay, so how do we make a film out of this? Yeah. You know, it's like I got it. Just come talk to me. Show up this days. We'll we'll make a film in three days. Um, did you? We did. Wow. It was two actually. Wow. Two film days and some production. Is that days. at American Vision? That could be purchased wa- yeah. at American Vision. Yeah. I, okay. Um, 
Well, if you sign up uh, to be a Cross Politic Fight Laugh Feast member, you actually can get the film. You can get that film? You can get uh, Baptism is Not Enough. I'll okay. get you a copy. I know some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, okay, that's awesome. But yeah, so you can get that. But anyway, yeah, that's available at the Fight Laugh Feast Network. I think John Crawford has some too, as um, covenantaldivide.com okay. is his website. But he just understood most time when people represent Baptists, they don't do it well. Okay. And when people talk about, about Presbyterians and infant baptism, they don't do it well. Yeah. He was willing to be honest with both sides of the conversation and to answer questions about baptism that I think everybody really wanted to know. But we had to stop acting like Presbyterians weren't reading their Bibles. Yeah. And we had to stop acting like Baptists concerned about salvific um, being baptized because you're in makes you um, a part of the covenant. Yeah. Uh, we had to stop regenerate and regenerate. Yeah, yeah. We had to stop acting like those weren't conversations yeah. that we, you know, let's, yeah. let's talk for real. And yeah. Crawford took it seriously and, he has a line in the film, and he's just talking about. To me, I don't think God's world is disconnected spiritually and naturally. They're, they're not. They work together. Yeah. Um, in the same way, sin curses the land. How did that happen? Well, you do a physical act, and there's a, some sort of spiritual thing that is out of relationship with God that creates an effect in your land. That's the world that God made. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're yeah. not disconnected. Yeah. And so once you realize that, there's there's a lot of other things that happen that you take for granted, and one of them was your child has your name. They didn't, you know what I mean? They have your name. Now, they can have that more than one way. There's a generic, they have your name because you have them, it's your child. But there's also this, um, they act like a Shannon. Yeah. You know? (laughs) They they embrace the culture of the Shannon, you know, and and they represent us rightly. And Crawford said, and we do this covenantally as a nation and as just families. When did your son get to have your name? He has your name because he's born into that and he's expected to act like a Shannon, to be treated like a Shannon. And if he ever does not, does not act that way, he's disciplined for not yep. acting that way according to that standard. And then there's a way for him to lose the name. Yeah. Right. You know? right. And, and so and there's a point in which he actually embraces that's who he is. Right. And so he walks through that with me. And, I'm, and it, the light went on clear as day. That God's world is covenantal and it's inescapable. Right. You know, so you're not going to get around that. And so Crawford was a person who basically made me, you know, Pado communion, the whole nine. He brought right. me into that. And Baptism Not Enough was the last film I made for American Vision. Okay. But there's one before that with um, Gary DeMar called The Symposium on. Yes. I have that one too. too. Do you really? Yeah, <laughs> Look at you. How did you? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm telling you, I was like deep. You know, wow. I, mean, you know I, I. You were. Everything I could get my hands on. I don't know why the baptism one I never got, but I mean, as far as the symposium, I got that one. Uh, how to answer the fool, uh, collision, you know, all those things were super helpful yeah. where I was. So, you know, as I was reading a ton of Doug Wilson stuff and and the rest, those kind of media outlets, American Vision mm. and the rest, were were, were yeah. fun, man. Praise God, that's that's such an encouraging thing to hear when you do something you don't ever know that. <laughs> It's get out there, anybody? yeah. Did it hit anybody? <laughs> just hearing somebody say it, you know, it's just encouraging. It's encouraging. Good man. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm I'd, I'd be happy to to sing those praises all day. Okay, so you did those for you finished up with the symposium, mm-hmm. and then how the heck did you get here? <laughs> Darren Doan. Darren Doan again. I feel like this is. I feel like I have a limit. I usually have a limit on like Forrest Dickinson accolades. Like oh really? Guests. Yeah, I, yeah, I limit yeah, yeah. like one nice thing about Forrest. Now I'm gonna have to put one on Darren. Yeah, people you might have only, to for me. Only... He's a huge part in this. Darren, is, yeah, filmmaking a whole nine. So I'm working American Vision, and he calls me, and says it's time for you to leave. <laughs> I was at that place with American Vision where um, I was trying to get them to do podcasting, 
Got this it. is years before it ever became like a sure. thing. I just knew that Gary DeMar had to start doing a radio show. And I was doing a radio show for six, seven years with Todd Friel. I know how to produce yeah. this stuff. This yeah. is what I do. Uh, and I and Gary's like, I don't know how to do radio. I was like telling him and Joel McDermott, listen, just come in there. I'll I'll set you guys up. We can knock this out. This is 2012, 13. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. podcasting just kind of come on, but not really. Real quick, did you do uh, the video where it's Joel talking about don't limit the gospel? That's exactly I did. I I probably sent that video to so many people. That was just, man. I really liked that video. <laughs> and I did that because I knew that from where I was at. There was a blind spot in American Vision. They thought more people were like them than they were, than that was actually out there. Okay. And so they got categorized as people who don't understand the gospel. They're just out there preaching um, moral therapeutic deism and worry about politics, but they don't have any gospel center. Got it. And so when I got there, I said, the first thing I want to make, that was the first thing I made, I want to talk about the gospel and its application in the world. Got it. And Joel knocked that out the park. It's a great video. He just was, he killed it. And then isn't there one about, uh, like, Gary sitting in between some shelves and he's talking about school? Yeah. I, I think it's school. Yeah, that's when he had his weight bench in his office and <laughs> yes, everything. Yeah, it was in there. It's weird yeah. to see that man come in there. It's like, I don't want to mess with Uncle Gary, man. Uh, he knocked yeah. you clean out. But, yeah, so that, that, that I, I, those are the videos I was so important. Education, public education, government education, and then the gospel is so important because I don't think, we understood, I don't think they understood how everybody else viewed them sure. in the conversation. And I wanted to be clear that they were gospel people first. Yeah. Um, and the gospel has tentacles into everything, though. Yeah. And so... It, I, think that, I think that last part that you mentioned about the tentacles and the efficacy out there. Yes. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's usually limited to, I mean, like he says in the video, a forgiveness of sins and, and the rest, which is all essential and primary. Yeah. But that it might actually have efficacy out there. It, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, th- those kind of things were were really good. So, I cut you off again though, but you, Oh, no, no. You're leaving. So, I Darren says I want you to come out to California for 6 months with me and DP a film called Saving Christmas. <laughs> okay. And I was you like You didn't just DP that. Uh, I didn't DP it at all, actually. Oh, oh okay. Sorry, no, I but I, you know, I didn't. I got there and did all kinds of other things. I, yeah. I was my skill set. Darren must have thought my skill set in place it wasn't. You know, <laughs> I wasn't there yet, but I wanted to be. Okay. He's like, you're going to help me DP this film. Okay. That was his line. Got it. And that's what got me excited. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll be out there. Okay. And so Darren, um, he was actually just finishing up a film with uh, Nate. Um, oh, the Mercy Rule. Mercy Rule. Yeah. So I was out there a little bit for that and. Helped him get through that a little bit and did some stuff. And he's like, okay, come out. So I came out there. I got there right after Thanksgiving. Okay. It was the first part of December. And he's like, so you're going to come. I got it. They drove up to his house. We're getting out. He basically has a glass of wine for me as soon as I get in the door. He's like, sit down, man. You need some wine. I was like, yeah, of course I do. I've been driving. It's a little crazy. But I didn't know why. He was setting me up. He's like, um, I'm moving to Moscow. He actually told me this. Did he tell you this he story? He told me about this. <laughs> and I was like, Russia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at him. I was like, is there a job out there? Because <laughs> I, I didn't left everything in Georgia. I still have my house in Georgia, but I'm like, I didn't left everything in Georgia, quit my job in Georgia. I'm trying to figure out how to pay for my bills. So He's that, just like, hey, man, take a sip. Yeah, take, just drink the wine, Knox, yeah. you know. And I asked, like, what's in Moscow? It's a great question. Yeah, and, and he said, uh, he's like, Doug Wilson, a community of people who know how to fight. 
He's like, I, he's like, I want to be with people who, when it's time, they know how to fight. They know how to engage culture. They know what they're doing. And, you know, uh, he might, I might get in trouble for saying some of this. So I'll let him get on me. He had had a school at the time. And I think he had just been beat down with people not getting the vision of education. He, the people were thinking, I just want to keep my son safe. I know his, like, one graduate. Yeah. They were out there with me at Bethlehem. Were they really? really <laughs> That's weird. It's really You're everywhere, dude. I know, it's really <laughs> um, and I think that he had just had enough. And when I got to Moscow, I'd seen a lot of people that had schools, and they were just, I realized the school and the church must go together, first of all. So you can have a school and no church, and then uh, the church will, or the, should I say, the church won't be engaged in supporting the school in one way or another, and it, the, yep. the worldview the, just collapses. And I think he was just tired, especially in California, of trying to do all of that and people just trying to keep their kids safe and he's like this is an arrow oh right it goes out to do damage yeah you don't keep your arrow safe you know? yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and so i think he i wasn't there yet i hadn't my worldview hadn't materialized to where his was i was new family just trying to get a job and hustle and take you know do the basic things yeah. he had already he was way ahead of me there and so i said i'm, I'm going 15 um do you know I th- no, it's fourteen. Okay. Uh, fourteen, maybe right around that time. Okay. Yes. Cool. I have not got to go back and look at those dates now. <laughs> but and so get out to Moscow. Uh, he said I'm gonna send you up early. So That's right. we That's right. we we got three months. I now I gotta know what he told you. I gotta know the story he told you. <laughs> so he sent. We finished saving Christmas in February, March, um, fourth or something like that. Fifth, I think I drove up. After that, um, sent my family up here. Sent my family along the way with their uh, my mother-in-law to take a little road trip. Yeah. And then I came up and met them with them in Portland, and we made our way here. The night we get here, Nate Wilson and Heather Wilson greet us. Um, and when we got to Moscow, knowing how to move around and get around the city is usually a complication. It wasn't here. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, here. there's Main Street. Well, that. And, uh, there's but those two other streets. People were friendly. Oh, got it, got it, got uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we had a place for us to stay before we had even, you know, it's not a hotel. It's like, hey, here goes a place for a couple of weeks. You guys fine. Get on your feet. Um, here's the city. Here's where you want to be at. And it's amazing. Moscow is small, but it's bigger than, you know, there's places you don't want to be because if you got a family, you want to be close to the college. Eh, right, right, you know, right. You want to be busy streets, kids to play. Yep. And so the, one of the realtors here just took us around town, even though we weren't going to buy a house at the time, and just showed us a great place and hooked us up with, you know, hey, these people are going to be written soon. Talk to them. I mean, it was amazing the That's culture awesome. that we ran into when we got here. And so we um, this just... This is a deep patriarchy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the deep. Um, but it was good. And, and so got up here and... We were covering our racist tracks, I think. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah that was. I did a great job because I still ain't seen them yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I got up here feeling I was racist too. So okay, so then now you're in Moscow. I think everybody knows. I mean, I feel like if they didn't, now we have a better idea that you being a part of cross politic is not much of a leap. I mean, as far as we're keeping track of what you're doing, producing right, shows, right, and the rest. So. How did how did you let Gabe Wrench rope you into this? Well, wrenches rope everybody in this stuff. <laughs> I mean, how Christopher Christopher Hinchins got roped into, you know, man, that 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 little video that Darren released eventually, yeah, is the greatest of Christopher Hitchens talking about Isn't Aaron. It? Just he just won't stop. 
what was nice about that is I saw that years before he ever released it. That's awesome. Working, but when I saw, I said, "Man, you got I'm so happy that he did Collision. You know, kind of the backstory of it. I want yep. him to do a second version. That's just me. Um, <laughs> the world needs more Darren Doan films. Yeah. Period. I, I, I should stop now, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's actually the last one. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But that uh, it, wrenches have the ability to make people do stuff that they probably don't want to do. Right. Um, because I knew that I fought against it. Yeah. So the first time Gabe asked me, it was an, an equivocation with, it was with no equivocation. No, like, I didn't equivocate one bit. Yeah. No. Gabe was like, well, that was weird. Okay. Gabe is like a bulldog, man. He He's like, when he wants They to- both have foreheads that are capable of like going <laughs> through anything, you know? Yeah. And they just do it with like that grin and, you know. Pastors are my weak spot. Okay. Got it. So okay. he got so, past the Toby. Got it. Then Pastor Toby said, hey, uh, me and Gabe want to talk about some tech stuff. <laughs> Brought me into his office. Okay. Yeah. We couldn't do it in the sanctuary, yeah. in the right, lobby. Right. In no, the to the office. Shut the door, I bet. Shut the door. Yeah. I'm like, oh, here we yeah. go. Yeah. And I think I might have said this before, but I knew that I knew what I was walking into. And so my goal was to see if I could produce and then just our dialogue banter back and forth. Uh, just a very fun engaging way to talk about topics uh, kind of like espn sure sport fox sports kind of thing yeah and if we had any chemistry so i went in there knowing what they were about to ask but i was also went in testing to see if that was a possibility okay and we talked for an hour okay and it was a kind of conversation that was like this is edifying this is engaging this could be a show okay and I had to go talk to my wife because that stuff takes a lot of time and energy. And she's like, if you want to do it, so I don't want to do it. <laughs> but they beat me up, man. Yeah. Pastor Toby had his collar yeah. on at the time. Uh, it was like, yeah. uh, those so, boots. Uh, yeah, those boots. Those boots under yeah. that rub was, 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 it, was, that was, that was it. He'd raise his hands and say, the Lord has told me unto you. Yeah. You should do a podcast <laughs> with the three of us, two of us. And, and I was like, oh, like, how I say is, no to God, yeah, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I didn't want to, I know the work of it. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I did not want to do it. It's yeah. it's a lot of hard work. Because you're also doing film stuff. I imagine yeah. you know, you you had things you were doing. So. Yeah, I had other things I was working on, and that just takes a lot of time. And uh, so when we brought cameras in, we grew a lot because at that point I had already connections with NRB Television, a few other places, okay. TLN. It's like okay, once we get ready to do video, Even, let's yeah get us into places. Yeah. And so those two kind of happen happen simultaneously. Got it. But and now you guys are across the street. Now we're yeah, imagine we're that. Just, yeah, yeah, we actually got a two uh, two little offices across the street. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, God's been kind to us, man. So that's awesome. So I feel like people because uh, I wanted to do this because of the the, the founder's doc. Because mm. you got rope, you got roped. Somehow the Baptists roped you in. It's just, it's just uh, here's one thing about social media. It only takes two people. <laughs> right. That's all it is. <laughs> I think three. And so because I I plan on putting chocolate Knox. And then the founder's doc. And I feel like anybody who's still around is going to be upset. <laughs> so you got, rap- you got roped into the founder's doc. I feel like you found yourself in like the two um, most controversial on the Presbyterian side, and now you're hanging out with controversial Baptists. So right. what's going on with that? Well, Are you just looking for it or what? I, here's something that's interesting. I've, you know how you're talking about these are real Baptists? You talked about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I found a group of guys through the statement on social justice okay. that was written. It kind of came out. It was kind of a big thing. Tom yep. Askell was at the forefront of that. Founders Ministry. I don't think I ever made that connection. 
Oh yeah. So he were, was at the he was at the forefront of that. He would never probably say that, but yeah, okay. he was okay. definitely at the forefront of it. I, I, yes. Okay. And um, he was part of a group of guys that he had met in Dallas. He was um, they were already kind of planning something like this, but a group of guys that met in Dallas who were seeing these things happening. They all came together and agreed on this statement. Um, but he was definitely leading the charge with that, and uh, I I found out that he was a fighter. And and he's an old school fighter. Tom Maskell was part of the conservative conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. And so he was been engaged, you know, thirty years ago. You know what I mean? And, on on and understanding how to engage. And so he just went back to his church and just started preaching and doing pastor stuff. And something that creeped in, he looked up and said, "What is this?" Uh, <laughs> and said, "Well, well, I'm gonna write a statement." I think when he wrote the statement, I don't think he knew the fallout yeah. that was going to happen, especially from people who he's been friends with for 20, 30 years. Okay. So I found out about them through the statement. Actually, I known about Tom Askell way before that. Yeah, excuse me. And um, he was, uh, he's just been the godly man. Marcus was the one who put me on to Thomas Askell. Yeah. Uh, I should say doctor. I never call him doc, but he's a doctor. Um, and I worked with his daughter, and she was children represent their parents well or not she was a great representation of her uh, upbringing her father and family and so i didn't know marcus was like oh my goodness that's tom maskell's daughter you know tom maskell's been the man service urges okay whatever i come from a charismatic background just to reform (laughs) theology i don't need nobody else except for calvin and luther and swingley okay so um and so i'd heard of him and then I sent him a message. I saw with the social justice the statement on social justice that some of the people who were signing the statement who agreed with the statement, I was concerned that it would be hijacked, that the conversation would be lost about some of the real things that are going on. And I said, man, I texted him Twitter and I said, hey, man, like, that's my concern. I just want to know where are you at? What's your, where, where's your heart at on this? And Tom was just basically straight up with me and said, I have some of those concerns too. This is, but I think that those are worth it to try and get a conversation started. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do. This is just to start a conversation with our brothers who we disagree with. And, and I, I appreciate his honesty. Sure. Most people ain't that honest with you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and he didn't seem, I don't like commercial people, people who are polished, politician, commercial folks. I can't trust them. Somebody who can be straight up, be honest with me, and don't feel like that they're going to use me for a platform for themselves in one way or another, I can fight with. Right. And he was very kind, and they offered us to come down and do a live show at their conference in Florida in January. Okay. And we went down there, and that was the first time meeting them, and I just really loved what they were trying to do. I appreciated it, and uh, I stayed at Tom Askell's home. Okay. And I tell us, <laughs> there's a story about that. <laughs> Again, in his house, and he has all these infant baptism books, how they're unbiblical, and yeah. he just sitting right next to my bed, just a stack That's of so them, funny. and he just he just punked me, dude. He straight got me, <laughs> and I it was like one thirty in the morning. I'm laughing my behind <laughs> off, and he just got me. And, and there's a story on Twitter about that. I I can't do it it's nearly as much justice right now, but um, he was just a godly man. Yeah, he was just a godly man. He feared the Lord, and he was honest. I watched Tom do the Akita movie we're talking about. Yeah. Where anybody who he was fighting or he was engaging with, he was protecting them almost as much as he was fighting them. And those are his brothers, you know. And so while he's disagreeing with them, he's holding them to what they actually represent and not thinking them as nefarious. And I'm one of throwing them. Not nefarious. They trying to represent the church. He's like, hold on, brother. Right. He's just that guy, you know. They have to prove it to him. And um, and so I was watching this 
old film that he had told me about. So I got a history lesson about Baptists okay. that I had never heard before. These guys, Covenantal Baptists, 1689 guys, I mean, they're diehards. And the, I only thought Baptists came from the Anabaptist movement. I didn't connect Baptists, Reformed Baptists, to the Puritan movement. Got it. And so they were very clear about their roots puritanically. And so, I mean, they just loaded me up with a great Baptist history and the unity that Presbyterians and Baptists had, um, even though we were drowning them. Hey, they wanted water. They wanted water. We gave right, them water. Right, right. Okay. And so uh, after that, I just had a, my heart was endeared to them. And they told me about this document. They told me about the, the Southern Baptist Convention and how they almost lost it during the time that all major denominations were going liberal. Right. And it's like everybody lost except the Southern Baptist Convention. I was like, what? And they told me the story of the conservative resurgence that basically took 10 to 13 years to implement, where if you can get the president to appoint committees on committees, and then that person would appoint uh, committee heads, and it bled down to six major seminaries that Southern Baptist Convention has. The Southern Baptist had this. All they have is six. So the institution, in one sense, is small but powerful. Sure. Um, and they I feel told, like one of those institutions is like the largest seminary of all time. Right, yeah. right, Southern. Yeah. And so, uh, but it all started for them to be able to get the president, right president, and put Al Mohler in position. Got it. And that created a domino effect that basically turned the Southern Baptist Convention to being the number one, the largest denomination in America. Uh, basically, they put President Trump in office. Yeah. So the most conservative denomination yeah. in America, right, sure. politically, yeah. uh, and the largest denomination in America outside of, um, outside of Catholics, right? right? And so I started seeing that, well, if you want to change America, you got to take out the Southern Baptists. <laughs> SEC country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and watching the attacks that they were dealing with were like, is working with all of their guilt. Okay. Like they had, you know, who doesn't have um, some sort of historical racist is past in some way or another. Right. And we all do. And everybody. Mean, and if they don't, they're just like so terrified to look. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're not human at that point, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so there was that play was happening. And then um, what was it? Watching their, their government, their church government is not one that I theologically agree with. Uh, but it's one that I can see that works for them uh, and has stood the test of time where even the one, the theological position and persuasion I agree with right. had to split off with their denomination right. because they couldn't, right? Yeah. And so Southern Baptists were somehow able to have this unity and still change the power. Uh, and so that was intriguing to me. Well, there was this film called Battle for the Minds. Okay. And it's an old film shot early 90s. Maybe, yeah, look, wow. Right as Al Mohler's getting placed into the position of power at Southern. Um, and he basically, it's the guy, he was wondering why his mom couldn't be a pastor. And they did this whole documentary. It's, it's about an hour long. And I watched that documentary and I said, this is exactly what's happening right now. Okay. I mean, Molly Marshall, who I think was head of, I don't know if she's a teacher at Southern, a professor at Southern or something like that. But just the arguments they're using, feminism, um, sexual abuse. All that stuff was rooted into complementarianism. And I'm saying, I'm sending this to Tom and to Jared, the presence of um, the president and vice president of Founders Ministry. It's like, oh my goodness, guys, this is what you were telling me about. This is... So I'm just getting inculcated yep, with yep. the culture and what's going on and say, you guys have been here before already. Yeah. And then. Little did 
we in Moscow know, we would have been worried about you. Is Knox okay? Did he dry his kids off or are they still, <laughs> yeah. you know, just wondering? Exactly. <laughs> they still taking communion? Okay, they still taking communion. All right. Oh, now, we, now you've done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you've done it. I brought up FD, yeah. didn't I? Oh, dog, yeah, go, and I did it. Um, it's so cool now, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, this morning, we just put on, I just, I was in this booth with Doug. Uh, sitting in combo this chair? with uh, in that chair, uh, doing a combo with James White. No, way. hopefully releasing it tomorrow. So that's awesome. Yeah, this I, won't be I'm, out after. Well, yeah, so everybody will know about. That's it. That's awesome. So, I'm, I'm, it is cool. Hey, hook me up. <laughs> hook, hook me up with the pre copy. <laughs> so, um, at this, I was down there in Florida before this. We the the film. Uh, I sent those guys the film. Say, hey, this is exactly what you're going about. I said, hey guys, you need to start telling stories. You guys got to start putting, um. Basically, what I was saying is you need some sacramental theology. You know, okay. you, you need to start putting s- the stories of the narrative in this because the world beats us right now because they tell better stories than we do. And we need to start, t- we have the best story. We need to start communicating that yep. story and right. finding ways to tell that story. And I think I resonated with them enough to the point that they said, let's do a film then. Okay. And that's so, how we got to. Got it. So, this is what I, the whole time I'm thinking, like, you were there at the convention. Right. I was. Filming. Yeah. So you didn't know how that would end. So you yeah, I mean, I'm sure you might have had a, like a pretty good idea that I mean it's clear in your interviews going up, everybody's like it's gonna you know something's happening. Yeah, you know, we're about to bring this to the floor and we're gonna argue. You know, it wasn't all even that's like happening. yeah. That, I wish I could say it was that that obvious. It wasn't obvious. Not like that. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. I mean, so but yeah, that, it was that, Rod that Martin. Goes goes to, yes, Rod Martin said, "I can't believe that we're having yes. resolution nine make it out of committee and going to yes. something we're going to talk about on the floor. This wouldn't have had it even before the convert the right. uh, uh, conservative resurgence." And so, yeah, th- but at that point, as a filmmaker, I'm hearing that I'm like, "No, no, no, we're making a film on women pastors, complementarianism, and social justice. We're not making a film. What is right. critical race theory, intersectionality? Yep. What is that? Okay, yeah, resolution nine, cool, whatever. Sure. We're interviewing." Um, Mark Dever and uh, uh, who else was it? Uh, Mark Coppinger and uh, David Miller and we're um, uh, even uh, Owen Strand. We interviewed him uh, talking about women pastors at the time. Beth Moore was just a big topic, and yep. Owen had written out something about women ministers and pastors, and so it was just that was our goal. We were going to make that the film, the majority of it, and then social justice on the other side. These kind of these two things creeping in. Yep. Tom had an awareness of all of these things about critical theory and all that stuff like that already. Um, but as a filmmaker, that wasn't what I was going in to make. Um, that was just a kind of a, a narrow... Uh, like exactly. Yeah. If yep. that, you yeah. know? Yep. Um, it was more social justice stuff. You know, what do we do? How do we deal with it? When I saw Resolution 9 go down at the convention, the way that they tried to cover up what had happened or the way they tried to push it through let me know that this was way more important, way more impactful, and uh, had implications just further. Just from their tells. Just from their tells. So that's what's nuts. I, you know, as they say, hey, we have 41 seconds left. We're just going to pass all these together. I mean, that's and wild. I was, so I'm with, it's a huge convention center, like the football, basketball stadium, sure. whatever. I'm on one corner of it. Tom Askell's on the other corner. I got a long lens on him. I have his audio because I'm mic'd up. So yeah. when he goes to the floor to talk, um, so I'm texting back and forth with him. As So in the film, it goes resolution one, resolution two. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm getting anxious because I have a film crew 
We're ready to film him present his amendment to Resolution 9, which, by the way, was just like a blip in our schedule. Yeah, we, okay, right. we'll film this. Sure. Um, and I'm getting a little annoyed. I'm like, man, they, they, I see 45, 35, 45 minutes on the clock. But the way that they're letting these people talk, this felt like the Titanic. Okay, I know yeah. this thing's going to yeah. sink. Right, right. Bring on the water. Let's drown these jokers. <laughs> yeah. Get to the movie. I'm trying yeah, to figure out. they're still playing instruments they're, in there. They're you know dancing I mean? yeah. in the Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. come on, shut this joker down. Okay, okay, we're praying for him. Let's go. Right. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you let yeah. these people talk forever? Yeah. Um, it was, it's like testimony service. I feel like the, the film side of it just adds, right? I mean, like, just the fact, because you're like, you know, I actually have real concerns. You know, right. it's like, I've got, I'm holding stuff, and yeah. mics are going, and our battery's going to run the out. The battery's you know? running out, all yeah. that stuff. And so there's and so I'm texting back and forth with him and his daughter is next to me working uh, camera and helping us with logistics and I said um, how long is this going to take like are they going to speed this up or she's like I'm concerned they're going to put a block they're going to block it I'm like a block this sounds crazy what's a block what's yeah like that's when as yeah. a filmmaker right, right, right. when you say they're going to block <laughs> yeah, like yeah. is it like a basketball block yeah yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. We yeah. block yeah. she's like well what they do is they put them all together and they make us vote on the last ones that we didn't get to I was like no they can't do I'm like this is like yeah. okay if there's ever a part of the Christian TMZ thing inside of me yeah. that came out it's yeah. like they can't do that yeah. checking and batteries, <laughs> sure the batteries yeah, yeah, yeah. hey everybody yeah. make sure we're rolling <laughs> don't miss anything it's a block <laughs> it's a block the block is coming <laughs> Yeah. The block is coming. <laughs> and so I texted at the top Asco, and I was just looking at his messages this last week, and he was like, no, they won't do that. It's either now or never. They'll do it. And 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 we're getting close. We're about five minutes. I was like, are you sure? Because we're getting to this last resolution eight, and there's like three minutes left. And, right. and he's like, no, they'll just put more time on there. And so when you can probably hear me scream, right when Curtis Wood says we have 41, I've heard from our parliamentarian yeah. that we have 41 minutes left. 41 seconds. 41 left. seconds left. Yeah. I was like, no! No! <laughs> What's funny is I think it's Askel. It's like, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that made yeah. me laugh. Well, and everybody's saying no. Uh, if you can hear yeah. all the dialogue, I just have Tom Tom on the mic, so yeah. he's the loudest. Yeah. But I'm over on the side going berserk. I think I stepped on his daughter's foot because I'm standing wow. up. You don't know this part of the story. I have a voting ballot at the Southern Baptist Convention. They messed up and gave me a messenger bag, so I had the ability to vote or not. <clears throat> so I may or may not have. <laughs> Voted. Yeah, I, voted. I just want to say that there's security there for Presbyterians getting in yeah. to vote is not really that secure. So that should tell you something right away. Well, I think, too, just given the resolutions, they were probably afraid to even ask. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, they're just like, I'm, I'm not about to get in trouble. Hey, brother, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, it's okay. Fine. It's fine. fine. Yeah, just let, let him through. Let him through. His it's people have been through enough. You know? It's just one. <laughs> it's just one. I should have made a motion. I motioned yeah. that the Southern Baptist <laughs> Convention embrace infant baptism. Who is this they guy? They would have all just been like, this is something we should consider. Give them that one. We've had race. You know, Let's our founding is it. racist. Let's just give them one. It was yeah, like, <laughs> so, yeah. um, but when that happened, I couldn't hold. I was, I was dumbfounded, man. I just couldn't believe that that happened. Yeah. I saw politics happening in front of me. And I'm saying, no, this is, these are Christians. Like, we're going to, something so serious. And when I started reading through Resolution 9 and what it was, something so serious surely wasn't going to just get bundled with, you know, women shouldn't go to the military and, you know, abortion is bad. If you look at the other resolutions they were trying to bundle with, it was like all things that you have to vote yes on. Yeah. yeah. It was very strategic. Right. right. And uh, they all know. So let me just, this part of the story comes in later. If you watch the film, you figure out later that this resolution was gutted. Right. The resolution came in in opposition to 
res- uh, uh, so the, the resolution nine originated from a person from a pastor who was in opposition to critical race theory and intersectionality. The, yeah, your face right now is uh, amazing. <laughs> we don't have cameras. Yeah, we don't have cameras, but boy, if you can see your face. Um, but they took it and gutted it, put his name on it still, and presented it as a resolution, basically in favor of using it as an analytical tool. Was he there? He was. I don't, if he was, I don't know if he was there or not. That's the interview. But that's that's the interview. So we I find just... that out later. <laughs> we find that out later that that had happened. So Tom Askell. Uh, Basically, we were able to get the vote to allow us more time to work through these issues. Um, and that praise God for that. They need to happen. Um, but there were two amendments to Resolution 9 uh, offered. One person wanted to reject the, uh, not two amendments, one person wanted to reject the, the resolution all out. Um, they, the committee didn't see fit to do that. I don't know the proper terms for that. Sure. So Tom Maskell took the approach of, okay, I'm probably, he knows the Southern Baptist Convention world very well. Yeah. He's been there for a long time. He gets it. The only thing that stops you from getting your amendment uh, is passed is how much you can hopefully win over the committee. Okay. And the committee chair. Okay. To see that you're not, you know, playing a game. You're, you're maybe sure. you're with them. And is yeah. this like Robert's Rules or whatever it's called? I think is it, it might like be. okay? It, I saw some of that there. Okay, cool. Um, so while we have one who's Tom Buck, who was completely opposed to it, which I think he's right to just re- remove sure. this whole thing. Tom Maska was like, "Bet, I'm probably not going to get you to do that, but if I can get you to point to the origins of how this." worldview is oftenly used and what what ideologies that it comes from i can at least vote for this resolution because we're talking about the origins of this thing right and it's it's secular origins and what it's trying to do if we can put that in there okay guys right well he got voted against in that they considered an unfriendly resolution uh, unfriendly amendment i'm sorry right and so it's just shocking though that happened the unfriendly resolution and he couldn't have resi- exactly <laughs> and, and it was, he couldn't have made it more friendly yeah. the part of the story i didn't put in the film was that just moments before that tom askell was having a conversation with curtis woods in the back in the tunnel uh in the hallways they had bumped into each other because we were interviewing danny aiken and uh, greenway um and he had bumped into curtis woods in the back and they had a very cordial conversation very friendly conversation to the point where it's like you know i think they had some disagreements with jarvis um williams yeah. tom had and and uh they had worked it out in one sense because i think they thought that tom Askell was slandering jarvis they come to realize that it wasn't slander and they you know everybody made up and he's like hey if you ever come out we'll we'll, we'll show you around and get you guys together and you know that we love to make it was very cordial it was, sure. and, and that whole thing just happened in the back. So when you go up now to have this resolution with, you, you already have a warm lead. Tom is already in favor of your resolution. He just wants to amend the, so that we can point to the origins. The fact that you don't consider, when you watch that and you listen to what Tom is saying, the fact that you don't consider that a friendly amendment to a resolution that he's willing to vote for. Yeah. I, I just, right. why not? Make the uh, make an amendment to it. I've I watched them make amendments f- and accept amendments that weren't necessary at all. Right for, re- for, <laughs> for, for all the, for, yeah, for, the other, yeah, for forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw them reject ones that were foolish. Sure. And you know I saw them doing that properly. And all of a sudden this one makes sense. It's an elder statesman 
We know him to be a man of God, trustworthy in all things. He's not trying to sidestep you. He's going to say, I'm going to vote for your amendment. And this was just like, what were you trying right. to protect? Right. Well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's still to be answered. That's yeah. maybe another movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so th- the film took a turn for me there. Okay. Because I had to figure out what was going on. Right. And then, but it really took a turn when I lost half of our crew after the Den Hollander. Okay. So we dropped the trailer. I take the trailer and I, when we were there at the conference, there was, you just tell me when you got it. No, man. I'm here. Well, I, I mean, here. now I feel like everybody just turned up their thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just getting All right. Hey, bro, thank you for this. Man. It's pretty, I pretty appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It's time to go. I mean, I think we just guaranteed that. that everybody's uh, stuck around. Yeah, everybody's just stuck around. Can we end it here now? <laughs> Hey, we'll be back uh, next year. Next for, uh, year for, for part round two. three. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the conference, Southern Baptist Convention, they opened up the whole Southern Baptist Convention the previous night with a panel on sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. Rachel Denhollander is on that panel. Um, I saw that in the doc. Right. You see that? Okay. And also you, um, what's his name? Um, the RLC guy. Russell uh, Moore. Russell Moore. Um, and so... Russell Morris, you see that what he says in the film. You got if you haven't seen that part, just go watch it. It's amazing. Real quick, can you give the link? Like it's founders. It's just founders. Yeah, founders. dot uh, org for slash Cindy Doc. Okay. That night, watching that panel talk, there was a lot of undertone conversation about pastors not really being capable of handling some of the the duties of a pastor. Okay. Um, and it bothered me. Because I don't know anything that's more important than guarding a human being's soul. Yep. And I don't care what the issues are, knowing how to deal with them. It's your Bible that tells you to get the authorities involved first. It's your Bible that tells you what jurisdictions you have and what jurisdictions they have. It's your Bible. And if your Bible is not going to be the standard of how you're going to handle something like a sexual abuse situation, then you might as well toss it up and who cares? Who cares at that point what we do? That's not going to be our standard for how we're going to deal with all these situations. Then throw it all away. Every, everything's up for grabs. And I saw a lot of challenges with that. And even I think there's an article that I think Jared wrote, um, or if he has it, he, ha- he talks about it on one of their podcasts from Founders about her holding to a higher standard of Scripture in, in some of these issues or basically going beyond what Scripture, you know, that's called legalism, people. You know, that's unbiblical people uh, but so that was watching that night i knew there was something fishy there and i didn't know what it was but I that knew was something. wasn't that in reference to chandler stuff so they, that yeah. right yeah. so yeah. matt chandler she his uh, article it just came out conveniently yeah. <laughs> that previous that same day i think it was about matt chandler's church having some ish, uh having a sexual abuse uh issue or scandal with one of their old employees at the church at a camp and she goes through and says, we try and protect our institutions, and sometimes we try to do it unintentionally. And she goes out and basically takes Chandler to the woodshed. Just lays out, he did this, he shouldn't have done that, he didn't mention the person's name, he didn't you know, get the authorities involved, he didn't tell his people so they can help the case, basically right. obstruction of justice, whatever. Um, Chandler hears about this, flies in from sabbatical. To, he wasn't at the convention. He comes in off sabbatical because he hears about this to go to 
Baptist 21, which is a, one of the news sources, to respond basically to all. That's the only reason they did that video. Mm-hmm. Chandler comes in, has a video the next day, responding to those cases. What's amazing to me is that we just got done hearing from uh, Rachel Denhollander the previous night. I, I would have loved for him to say, listen, um, we this is slanderous. Like, no one called and asked us. No one... You know, he, but he basically got up and repudiated everything that she had said about them. They went to the detective. They let the families who were at the camp talk to the detective. The detective was the one that told him not to release the name because they don't right. want to obstruct the justice, right? They wanted to make sure they were targeting the guy. They had honed on the guy and don't release his name yet because we want to make sure we get him. And yep. then they were the first ones, Chandler and his people were the first ones to say, oh my goodness, Lord, help us. It's one of ours. God forgive us. Pray for us. They put it on their social media accounts. They put it on their website. And I'm, I'm looking at this narrative and I don't know if there's a retraction of anything she said about Chandler. Yeah. And, and I just was like, what's going on here? This is odd that we have a pastor who is in it, who's using a ministry that's like, you know, I think it's called Grace or something like Ministry Safe or one of the two. He's using Grace. I don't know. I just he's using a ministry to help him figure out how to wade through this because he says in the interview, I wasn't trained in this. I don't know how to handle any of this, which I think is to his detriment. Like that's you're a pastor. You have a Bible. Figure it out. Okay. What do you mean you're not trained? Get your Bible out, bro. Yeah. Or sit down. Yeah. We're talking about human souls here. And if anything, it definitely at least shows us, like, if there are two ditches to the issue, we know which one he's way closer to. Right. Which is going to obviously be where, well, way closer to her sensibilities yeah. than, than they are other. You know what I mean? But I he's following like, their rules. Right. When I saw that, and I did some other research and things like that, I realized that there are uh, people and institutions that are being manipulated and used to bring about a certain outcome that is not biblical. And so Owen Strand had a part in his, in the, in his interview that we had with him. He, he said, uh, there are principalities and powers. There's always been principalities and powers basically trying to work themselves out inside of our... And so at that point, I had not had clarity to all the influences that were going on. I knew she was part of it. I knew that she was engaged with them one way or another. And... Um, and again, her intentions might have been good, but they're not helping. And yeah. she's manipulating pastors to do something that's unbiblical. Right. And so I had, and I did that throughout the film, not just with her, with Russell Moore. Yeah. I did that with uh, James Merritt. I, you know, and with her, she had less to say um, in it because I hadn't figured all of the connections out yet. And it was just a point to this is coming. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that, she was in an image basically blurred it wasn't it was an out of focus shot that had some artistic design to it to show that there's something going on here i knew you would know who that was okay uh, i wasn't surprised <laughs> by that uh it was intentional yeah uh that was the whole point uh to say exactly what owen strand was saying over the top of this and with others involved in it well that caught fire and yep. blew the trailer up so anyway after all that um, because of the lack of people's ability Man, to understand. I think that's an understatement, by the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, is but it? We, I think so. Okay. I, uh, I live so. in Moscow. Yeah. I don't really get all the news. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm that's... sure founders did. <laughs> um, but it, it, are you calling her a demon? Well, uh, I don't think she comes from hell. I don't yeah. think she fell from heaven. You know, I, I, yeah. No, it's not what yeah. we're saying. Prince I mean, and these are threads are... that are happening. I just right. saw one this week. So, I mean, it's, it's still a thing. Prince and Pallies and Powers. There's a such okay they they're not demons okay yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, we're talking about worldviews that are perpetuating and working them worldviews need people to push them 
Yeah. Right. And so and she's pushing a particular worldview that's antithetical to the gospel in a lot of ways, even though she has been a great champion in one sense of showing us how the gospel operates with uh, Nesser. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. I right. love that. Right. And so it's, it's heartbreaking to see that there's a worldview that doesn't follow in line with even her own commitments there. So that's disappointing. But um, that made so many people drop out of filming. Got a it. lot of the head guys, they they just couldn't handle okay. that being a possibility um, to be associated with what they consider consider her a demon. So founders to try and help remove people's uh, uh, trying to help people see things clearly removed her from the, the, the trailer. Got it. And um, in so doing, uh, no one else decided to stay with us still after that. So they wanted to try and point to that that still is true, regardless if it's her or not, right? They were trying to do that. But uh, in the process, they lost three members of their board. Um, there's a, stories behind that I can't talk about. <laughs> but let's just say that people have hooks in them. And when those people get ready to exercise... There, those hooks, it works. Right. <laughs> and in that pro- so I lost my film. I lost the original idea of my film. It was, the people who were part of it, the narratives there, God took it from me. Got it. And said, That's, this is going to be your story now. Yep. Because you had interviews, right, that were no Danny longer. Aiken, yeah. Owen Strand, um, Greenway. I don't think Greenway actually dropped, but. Um, Dever was gone. Uh, you know, that's what. Yeah, that's yeah, what I figured. Yeah, there was a lot of guys who just, you know, backed out at that point. And so, uh, God gave me a different film to make that had that same idea. There's there thought things creeping in, ideologies and worldviews antithetical to the gospel, <clears throat> and but it, the source of it wasn't what I thought it was. The source of it was critical race theory intersectionality, and that's right. producing all of it. How we understand oppressed groups, how we understand um, sin, how we understand who's doing all that right. stuff is feminism. And maybe for the better. I mean, I thought yeah. one of my favorite parts, I thought Glenn Sunshine took oh. the show. I mean, I thought he was oh. he was awesome. So, yeah, uh, who, who's also a member on Fight Left Feast Network. Yeah, so he, he's a host, co-host of the show. The podcast. The Theology Podcast. Got so, it. yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. I, I think so, too. I needed that extra little bit um james Lindsay is an absolute beast as well i didn't use as much of him yeah um that's a that was a rhetorical thing you know it's um he does take um russell moore to task yeah i mean and he does a great job but Lindsay is a i think gets this better than probably most christians do so so yeah um so god gave me a new film and this is what it's what and you have. That's what now. everybody saw. And that's what everybody saw. Okay, so you went to Florida. It was a, it, you did a whole release. Everybody, I saw people. I flew down. Everybody was there. Yeah, it went well. It did. I was surprised that people wanted to sit down for two hours and watch a movie. <laughs> you did know? you watch it? I did. It hurt. Okay. I was kind of <laughs> in or out. I, it's yeah. you know I've been to sure. premieres before with, uh, and it's it's just like you don't. You're not comfortable. Sure. Your work is on display, and it's had so much around it, and this was a slanderous piece. And Yeah. Uh, what day was that, by the way? It was- Last weekend? It was the 6th. Okay. Okay. They okay. dropped it Friday, it. the 6th. Okay. So a week ago from today. Right. Got it. And, okay. And they released it, full release, went out on Thursday. Okay. The 12th. How's it been? The feedback has been great. Okay. It's been phenomenal. I think that 
we found a way. The whole film really is for pastors. It's not necessarily a film that's with a target of laymen. There's some heavy lifting in there. It's pretty yeah. dense in some yeah. places. Um, so, but the goal is to try and get pastors. Pastors have their heads down, tending to their flock, working. It's just like Tom Askell was doing. And you look up and you realize that the, your denomination or your organization that you're a part of has is moving in a direction that you're not. Right. And you don't know why or what's going on. And Tom has just been a federal head for those kind of people. I think Tom has been the federal head in a lot of ways for most Southern Baptists. He's the guy yeah. who's seen it. He's the guy who's in place. And he's the guy speaking out. And he's trying to get them to see what's going on. And it's really been some of the things that I fought in this film, people were not happy with. And some of them were. As a filmmaker, I deal with this all the time, though. We're not happy with, like, Tom is not this person. You're presenting Tom in this way. Or Tom was much more laid back, astute, library guy. He's a pastor, you know. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. After Resolution 9, what you see in the opening of the film wasn't some sort of, oh, let me get you sit like this. Let me get you to, this was just what happened. I just I think that's probably one of the best parts of the film, too. I mean, yeah. which we were talking about, which really funny the way you talked about it, just even as you watched your own film change in real time. It seemed like a lot of those interviews happened like coming off of the floor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That it, yeah. Some of those did. Did that one especially was just that night. He was tired. He that, was, so they, it, there's, there's parts that I thought like I could, you see that they are seem exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, but it's so funny. Right after Resolution Nine, the funniest things I, I didn't even put in the film were so many people were heartbroken. People who knew what was going on, who the Kimberly they lost, and like, what do we do now? And I just have audio of Tom like, uh, resolutions have no authority. I'm a pastor. I'm gonna go back and preach and teach. I'm gonna fight against this. What yeah. you mean, what are we gonna do? You know, it was yeah. just it was just yeah. full on charge. Right. All right, but I think that he realized that he was probably a little late. Yeah. Okay. Right? That's I think good. I think he was like this we shouldn't even gotten this far. Right. Like Rob Martin said, the fact that it's coming out of committee, we should have never gotten this far. So Tom realized where he was in the story and is like, okay, well now I know what I'm doing next. And so the end of the film, um, I tried to let it be how people are used to seeing Tom Askell. Okay. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. in his library, he's talking, he's repenting. He's saying, I, I haven't been doing my job and paying attention. We're supposed to guard the flock. I'm doing that. But then there's other areas over here that I haven't been giving my time to. Um, and in the same amount of way, or, you know, he's like, and so he just, he owns it, man. He owns it. And uh, I wanted people to see, like, that's, at least that's the time that they're used to seeing, you yeah, know? And right. so I was able to see all the facets of who he is and engage that. So I tried to film in those things <laughs> yeah well i mean i think you caught us a, a, a unique time that's probably really healthy for people as i think about like where i grew up and th there was not a lot of godly con there's not a lot of conflict period yeah there's not a lot of godly conflict for sure so mm -hmm. even just i think it's crucial just to see godly christians in conflict yeah and fighting it in a way that we've already mentioned on the podcast so just you know not losing your soul to it yeah um but as we wrap up, what are uh, we talked briefly just on updates as far as uh, uh, Pastor Askell? Yeah. How can we? How can listeners be praying for him and his family? And any updates you know you're willing to share on? Uh, it is like we said, fr uh, a week after the release. So. Right. Um. Watching at his church, if you don't know, you know, if you don't know, I was at his church when he fell. Uh, he hasn't had 
um, a lot of support. When we did the release and we did a panel, I was loaded for bear. I was ready to unload and just like, here's everybody who left and the whole night. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but Tom, God graciously let him speak first. And one of the things he said, it caught me. He's like, this has been hard. This has been hard. I never thought I was going to lose my friends of 30 years. You know? Um, and going through some of the friends and the, the founders board, and it's like, this has been tough. I haven't prayed and fasted this much, and I can't remember how long. And I realized at that point that everybody had had a chance to talk about founders but Tom. Because that was something I hadn't heard before. You know? And so it changed my whole tone. I was like, okay. You brought it back to Yeah, I brought it down a lot. It was yeah. like, I need to let him talk. I need to let both of them talk. Jared, too. Those guys have lost. I, I was thinking about the last time I lost a friend. It didn't have 30 years behind it. That's a lot of ministry. It's a lot of, and, and so they've lost a lot. They've given up a lot. They've been by themselves fighting for a very, very long time. And I, you know, the stress of that, the stress of losing friends like that and guys you've respected and have been in battle with before, it, it has, it takes a toll. And I'm, I'm praying that this documentary vindicates the stance that he's had and the heart that he's had and the graciousness in which he's had it, that while he is not as healthy as he can be right now, that brothers would stand up, that, that his friends would see you're right, um, and that brothers would get behind him. And so because of that would allow him to really heal in ways that he needs. So he needs to heal his body. He needs to heal his mind. He's got all kinds... I mean, so be praying for his health, that God will give him a speedy recovery. He sees this so clearly. He knows the politics better than anybody. He understands the battle. Um, he knows what needs to be done, and he's given up everything for it. So pray for the God that sent some man to hold up his arms like with Moses. Um, that is needed in, in all those ways. He's had his church, has been faithful and good friend. Jared has been an awesome support. She's got such a strong family. Wow. I'm telling you, watching what happened with him at his church and watching his kids engage, that's why you have kids. That's why you have lots of kids. You know, it's just a, a yeah. slew. He had his, a whole army by himself that came into his rescue. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You won't yeah. be ashamed, right? Right. And so, um, it's, it, so they've been hugely helpful to him in just so many different ways. But I think I'm hoping that this stirs God's people up to first repent and then to say, okay, what do you need? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, it's founders.com slash synodoc. Founders.org slash synodoc. If you go to founders.org, uh, their, their .org should bring you right to the synodoc too. You can find Perfect. it on the page. but founders.org slash synodoc. Perfect, man. Well, congrats. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm extremely honored. And I've hey, enjoyed, what do you mean, dude? I'm honored. To be, no, seriously. <laughs> and that you would even consider having me on your show. And then Easy, man. And uh, we've been, I've been asking for weeks. So. I, and I, can't, I came I, in early before the tweets, man. That's true. <laughs> you have. And I just didn't believe you. And it's like, I've enjoyed the conversation Listen, with you. Listen, man. Grateful for you. Thank you Thank for taking you. the time. And yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. See you later, man. Thank you. <laughs>